Uh, Scott, Santa, you need to become the next Santa Claus. No, I don't think that's a good idea. Why? I don't celebrate Christmas. Well, never mind. I'm just going to get Ernest P. Whirl. That's right. We watch Ernest Saves Christmas. So you know what that means. It's in the basket. The writer's bagel basket. Where is he? Where is Martin? I need him to help me with my will. Having walked from the airport, I'll be dead soon. I don't know what to do. He's with a client. That's life for you. You have two sons, one good, one bad. And wouldn't you know it, with my luck, the good one dies. Tear me apart, Lisa! David, do you take Patrick? Everything is going to be all right. I was thinking maybe the king and I. Uh, how about Oklahoma? I don't consider myself a particularly ethical person, but I am fair. Don't be mean. We don't have to be mean. Because remember, no matter where you go, there you are. Hi, welcome to Reggie's Bagel Basket. I'm Scott Kerland. And we are ending December, our entire A Very Bagel Basket Christmas, with Ernest Saves Christmas and my co-host of When Scary Met Stabby, who did Ernest Get Stupid With Me, Mr. Christopher Brown is here. Oh, hello. Good to be here during such a jolly and festive season. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Like, this I... Is coming from the person who told you right before we started recording, Christmas is for kids. <laughs> As I was just, like, hastily trying to figure out why I wasn't getting sound. <laughs> <laughs> You're just working <laughs> on, yeah. on the wires. Like, Christmas is fucking kid son of a bitch motherfucker uh, uh, I, will say, I, am, I am wearing a christmas shirt though and i'm wearing a ted lasso shirt that you can't really see it says be a goldfish i saw gold yeah a gold fist i gold fist so what did we watch we watched Ernest saves christmas which is by my math the third theatrically released Ernest film am i correct uh, I thought it was second. It's Ernest goes to camp. Oh, in jail. It, jail came after this. Jail came after this. Yeah, this Whoa. was eighty-eight. I'll be damned. Yeah, can I tell you an Ernest goes to camp story? <laughs> I don't know if uh, you please. if you've heard this, but the the kids who were on the set of Ernest goes to camp with him uh, told this story, and I'm pretty sure they told it on. How did this get made? But if you look it up in an oral history, one of the kids said that Jim Varney came up to him one day out of an apropos of nothing and said, hey, kid, if you ever get in a knife fight, <laughs> slash don't stab. <laughs> <laughs> and then walked away. <laughs> that is unbelievable. Chef's kiss. Perfect. Yeah, yeah. No, actually, it is technically the third movie featuring Ernest. Because there was that weird one, the Doctor Otto and the Riddle Do of the Gloom Beam. Yeah, which I don't know what. But the fuck I, I, that I don't is. know if we're yeah I don't know if we're gonna call that canon necessarily. So give us the blockbuster rule for Ernest Saves Christmas. Okay, so surprisingly, uh, it doesn't really involve Ernest. <laughs> The actual plot of this film is that Santa is retiring, or wants to retire, and he decides to do so uh, within spitting distance of Christmas. I mean, it's like 72 hours. And he tries to convince a man in Florida that he is, A, not mentally ill, and B, is in fact Santa Claus and would like to force the job onto him. Yeah. So this was written not as an earnest script. Mm-hmm. That completely tracks yeah and if you think about it it totally it was basically about santa trying to find a replacement and befriends a homeless girl or a runaway girl i'm, I'm yep. getting i'm getting my previous bagel basket episode where we did the say by the bell episode <laughs> <laughs> yeah well 
I mean, like like I said, the the actual plot doesn't involve Ernest. Ernest is kind of shoehorned into this, which is pretty goddamn wild because he's central to all of the other films. Yeah, and this is kind of my favorite Ernest movie. Yeah, you mentioned that. It was surprising for me on this watch, but um, it, it's I still enjoy it. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, uh, I I have such fond memories of it because when my family got the Disney Channel in the early '90s. This was like they advertised this that it was premiering on the Disney Channel, and we like my parents let me stay up late to watch it at you know eight o'clock. So I had fond memories. Like I had the microwave popcorn, and I got to watch that Ernest. And like this is why I love the movie. And also, it has my favorite version of Santa. One of them, like. Well, now after Hello, seeing, I am, I am Santa. I, I it, sort it, of it, have it, a little Republican thing going on, but it's not quite. It, you know who that is, right? Yeah, he's he's been in a million things. It, um, it's the Douglas Sultan. Steel. It's the Sultan yeah, from, from from Aladdin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, yeah, Danielle picked up on that while we were watching it. After a little while, she's like, "Who the hell is this man's voice?" And she <laughs> just started looking up, and then she's like, "Oh, that's it." Yeah, he was also the koala bear in um, Rescue Us Down Under. And they'll turn you into a purse. And he was also in Ghostbusters 2. Was he? Yeah, he was. Uh, he had a bit part as uh, a hotel employee. Oh. That's why uh, my, my title for the Zoom call is, But You're So Old. He's a, um, he's a treat. He, uh, I, he, in this film, 100% is there for everything like he is bought into this wholesale and he is giving it his all and i really appreciate that like when i think of santa this is the type him and richard attenborough as santa in miracle on 34th street yeah are but but he i mean neither man is you know very they're very holly but not jolly and by jolly i mean fat yeah, yeah. Douglas Steele looks the part facially, but yeah, he he's he's not rotund enough. I would yeah. argue that I would argue that uh, Joe Carruthers, who is his mark for the new Santa role, uh, is is more of the body type. But even he's only just like kind of portly. He's not he's not Santa. He's supposed <laughs> to be a big fella. I thought that guy was Ernest Borgnine. <laughs> <laughs> he's a little young for Borgnine. Yeah, but uh, yeah, he uh, he's got a little bit of the Borgnine energy. Yeah, and I love how he. Okay, so if we're diving into this, the fact that he goes from being like a a, a Mister Rogers style TV host to being. I guess Charlton Heston and Omega Man, like being like, yeah, it makes no sense. And that well, guy looks like Dan Levy, who runs that studio. The thing that's absolutely insane to me is his career is that he does, like you said, a weekly. So it's it only airs once a week, Mister Rogers style children's show for a local affiliate in Florida. When we meet his agent, you would think that he was Scarlett Johansson because this agent is like, we are going to fucking cut deals. I am going to cut heads off. I am going to do anything in my power to make sure that you will succeed. And it's like, where is this coming from in this movie? Uh, That agent was in another famous Christmas movie the year this movie came out. Was it Robert Lesser? Is that the guy? Whoever played Marty. Oh, uh, Die Hard. Yeah. 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 Do you know who he is? I'm assuming he's one of the party goers. No, he's the guy at the beginning who says, when you get to where you're going, take your shoes off and make uh, circles on the floor with your feet. Oh. He, he's that guy on the plane <laughs> yeah. who... who sees John McClane's gun and he's like, don't worry, I'm a cop. Would you like to swing on a star? Maybe that experience was kind of harrowing for him. Like he got a little nervous by seeing a cop on the plane with a gun and he's like, you know what? I got to take life by the balls and I need to do what I've always wanted to do, which is represent uh, a local affiliate 
children's show host from Florida, and I want to take them into one of the biggest action films to come out of a soundstage in Florida. (laughs) So the crazy thing about this movie is that this was the movie that uh, Katzenberg and Eisner were using as the temple to make Orlando the next Hollywood. Like they were using MGM Studios to be Mm -hmm. an actual movie backlog. Yeah, it's crazy to me to think that like this was filmed in like what is now Toy Story Land. Like that is batshit insane to me. Yep. And the airport is the opening to uh, Epcot where where the, the trams drop off people. I did not catch that. That is fucking hilarious. That's that's great. <laughs> the whole thing is basically a commercial for Disney. Yeah, in, in the, many ways. But the whole yes, that's highway, fantastic. the whole highway yep. is is the private Disney highway. I yes, that that's not surprising to me, and I can see it in my mind's eye, and that that completely tracks right now. But yeah, that's 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 so wild that I, I am just shocked that they didn't have an overt appearance from Disney World in some way, shape, or form in this film. Come on, Joe, let's go ride those teacups. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Because, I mean, I know it was technically, we're getting a lot of shots of Disney because it was filmed there. But um, you know what I mean? Like a, a more visible like theme park plug. Right. I think, okay. So with 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 Ernest in this movie, the original ending was that Joe flat out says no. And then Ernest becomes Santa. That's a dumb ending. Yeah, and that's literally what Eisner Eisner says, fucking change that. Now, did Eisner and Katzenberg say that while they were meeting at Denny's? <laughs> yeah, you you mentioned that and I was dying. Yeah, apparently they uh, reached out to John Cherry, the writer-director of this and uh, I think all the Ernest films, Yep, and told him to meet them at a Denny's, which he correctly, and in my opinion, assumed meant he was going to get fired <laughs> because he's meeting two like multi-millionaires, very powerful men at a Denny's. Do uh, you no, think they told Eisner they ordered to- for him? He's like, he'll have the moons over my hammy. I'll have a grand slam. He'll have the moons over my hammy. And uh, Katzenberg over here will have the piggies in a blanket. (laughs) But yeah, it's insane because not only did they not fire him at Denny's, they told him they wanted to do more earnest movies. Yeah, they gave him a six picture deal. (laughs) We would like to continue this relationship. Six movies, and and they would actually cancel it after two movies. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's it's absolutely batshit insane that they were doing that at a place where, like, their pants probably were sticking to the booth. (laughs) (laughs) And and Katzenberg's like, in a few years, they're going to fire me, and I'm totally going to steal one of their ideas for a movie and give it to another movie studio. What movie was that? He stole the plot of A Bug's Life, and he Oh, gave... that was him. Yeah. The, the Bug's Life Ants. Yep. Debacle, yeah. Yeah, because he he's the K and the SKG of DreamWorks. It's DreamWorks, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I knew that, uh, but yeah, I wasn't aware that he was behind Ants. That's, that's funny to me, because there are a lot of twin films out there, but usually... Like, they're kind of both inconsequential. Like, I'm thinking of Volcano and Dante's Peak, like, that sort of thing. But he was the one who greenlit A Bug's Life, so. Oh, so he greenlit A Bug's Life and then was like, I am making ants right now. So he greenlit Toy Story and saw the dailies of Toy Story, and he's like, this movie's going to make us a fortune. So he greenlit A Bug's Life right after that, and they fired him. And he's like... Okay. <laughs> I'll Amazing. See- yeah. Jesus. He he Well, th- yeah. That's I mean, he made a good a good call though when he made Ants because he had the foresight to put in like a timeless actor that is completely devout of controversy as the lead. Yeah. Uh-huh. Woody Allen. <laughs> Shut up, Chris. <laughs> 
We're not talking about him or Christopher Walken. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, that's I, I forgot that he was in that as well. Um, you know, yeah. potential murderer Christopher Walken. <laughs> now, I have a Ernest Scared or, or sorry, Ernest Saves Christmas question for you. OK. Did you clock the bumper sticker that Ernest had in his glove compartment? I forgot what it said. I just remember it didn't say something about Jesus. Keep the Christ in Christmas. <laughs> That's what it was. <laughs> Very weird decision early on in this film. <laughs> hey, Vern, have you heard the good word of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and his Latter-day Saints? <laughs> Maybe that's why Vern has such a problem with Ernest. When he's not getting into all these hijinks, he's really just kind of focused on, um, you know, preaching. Okay, so I have a question for you. Did sure. you get, you did get Danielle to watch this, right? I did, yeah. I mean, you, she did, was not really paying attention. She was working on some crafts. Did you do what I said and dressed up as Ernest? Didn't tell her what you were watching and just patted the the, the couch cushion. <laughs> no, I did not because uh, I feel like it would be very unfair to put an Ernest movie on her without any sort of <laughs> forewarning. I mean, it's not like you made her watch Slam Dunk Ernest or. Ernest, Ernest, pirate life, or uh, there. Are... Ernest in Africa, or fucking. Well, you know what the last one was supposed to be, <laughs> right? Ernest goes to hell. No, Ernest goes to heaven. Huh? But then he died. Hmm. So it turns out he did go to hell. <laughs> <laughs> For the longest time when I saw this movie, I thought that uh, Harmony or Pamela, whatever. Let's stick with Harmony, because if you say Pamela, I'm going to have no idea who the hell you're talking about, (laughs) because that's just introduced very quickly in the movie and then dropped. Okay, I thought for the longest time, I always thought it was Leah Remini who was. I could see getting that mixed up in your memory, like in your mind's eye. Yeah, because this this was like the time of the Tortellis when she was on Cheers as as uh, Carla's daughter. Yeah, and it's it's not terribly far off from, from when she would Bell. be uh, on Saved by the Bell, yeah. So I always thought it was her, and then it turned out to be someone who never acted again. <laughs> or she did, but yeah. it was sporadically. Yeah. Yeah, her um, character does nothing she still sent her character yeah is really strange because here what was uh i know i phrased this a specific way no i didn't i must i must have just thought this she oh yeah here it is here is my exact note harmony eases into living with Ernest very quickly (laughs) i had such a problem with that and i don't know why as a kid watching it now when i turned it on i'm like okay so he's gonna do something weird with butter and i thought it was he was just doing it to be weird as a kid i thought he's like oh and i love butter Mm." i totally realize now it's because he burns his hands on mm-hmm. on the griddle and then he puts them in the butter and then tries to play it off as nothing the fact that he probably has third degree burns on his fingies <laughs> no well we know for a fact that Ernest does not actually experience i'm not going to say pain cuz he does experience pain but he doesn't experience consequences for his actions <laughs> <laughs> yeah Let's let's go through all the damage that Ernest takes in this movie. He burns his hands. Mm-hmm. He gets hit by a car. Yes. He uh, uh, gets covered in snakes. Uh, yes, that was in the most unhinged bit of Ernest's entertainment I think I have seen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that whole bit. <laughs> <laughs> And, and like the sna- uh, the effect for the snakes, the makeup is so not buying it. I'll say, like, yeah, that that's mm-hmm. yeah, no, nah, I I don't buy it. Uh, the military almost terminated him and elves, uh, and I quote, with extreme prejudice at <laughs> one point. <laughs> Santa doesn't exist. I don't care what anyone says. 
Go yeah, on, Daniel Admiral. Yeah, Daniel was unfamiliar. Daniel was unfamiliar with the phrase uh, "with extreme prejudice," so <laughs> I was just reminded of um, my brother-in-law was in the military, and uh, I happened to watch Apocalypse Now with him when I was a teenager. So I was like, "What does what does that phrase mean?" And he's like, "Oh, it means kill someone and hate them when you do it." <laughs> <laughs> So just that phrasing and then having that phrase appear in an earnest movie like just made me laugh. I don't know you, but I'm really mad. <laughs> uh, with this movie, I, I, I thought this movie was much longer than it was. To me, it felt longer than it was. Really? Because... Yeah. Oh wait, no, I mix, I mixed up my words. I thought this movie was much shorter. Like I thought this movie was like 80 minutes long. And then it turned out to be like an hour and like 7, hour and 8 minutes. I was like hour and a half. 98 yeah, minutes. It, That's the word I was looking for. Yeah, that it runs a bit long for an earnest movie. I I, I really think we can be in and out in a buck 20 uh without any real consequences or problems. Yeah, and Chuck and Bobby take up, you know, at least 45 minutes of the movie. They're great. Uh, my question about them in this film is whether they leave work. Because uh, I am inclined to believe that we see that multiple days pass in the course of this film. And I don't think they leave at any point because we see things happening a day cuts over to them. They're hanging out at work. We see shots at night, cuts back to them, they're hanging out at work. We see scenes the next morning, they're at work. I, I think that they're just there. They we find these weird. We live here like Louis de yeah. Palma on taxi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think, I think you're, they really do. Or at least when they've got uh, the shipment of reindeer, they decided that they needed to stay there and keep an eye on things. I mean, they also hinted at a movie that. I guess never came to fruition because I guess they were supposed to do like an Easter movie. Oh and yeah, the horrible Easter bunny that appeared at the very end. Yeah, yeah, that was that was nightmarish. And that became the movie Hop. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> that bunny sounded like Russell Brand. <laughs> Hello, Ernest. God, imagine if they actually made that movie like Ernest Saves Easter or. You know who would be the three days later with Ernest. (laughs) You know who would be the Easter Bunny in the late eighties, early nineties. Ernest saves Easter, right? Danny DeVito, I would have to think. Gilbert Godfrey. That would be pretty good too. Like they don't have the budget for DeVito. How dare you? They can't afford. DeVito back then, he was doing more directing. He was doing more directing. He did do Twins right around. So so he had a bunch of hits at this time. Back to back, he had Twins, he had Throw Mama from a Train, he had War of the Roses, and Ruthless People. So, he was he was walking on sunshine. Whoa. Yeah. It was truly the era of DeVito, I guess. Yeah, they could not afford late 80s, early 90s DeVito. They could definitely get away with Gilbert Godfrey. Yeah, I don't think he's ever been exactly in demand because i mean he was in problem child which i have to assume had a lower budget than this yeah and problem child too which had to have had a lower budget than this (laughs) i just pictured them being like okay we're gonna make a sequel but we're taking five dollars off (laughs) and they just (laughs) they just take five dollars out of the director's hand (laughs) like they're the little rascals we need to talk about john cherry because the man has, let's see, how many movies did he make? He made all the Ernest movies, and that's about it. But, mm-hmm. you know, even Ryan Johnson learns to, you know, pick a different project every now and then. <laughs> <laughs> or Christopher Nolan, when he was making the Batman movies. he's He, he would he, alternate, yeah. Yeah, like. And Burton, too. He, John Cherry didn't want to make a different movie? Like, he only wanted to he work just, with Varney? I mean, if it, if they had a good, easy working relationship and understood each other very well and they could crank this shit out, I, I don't see a reason to, to buck that trend. I mean, even Varney would make other movies. Yeah, but uh, he wasn't making 
great stuff. He was in like Beverly Hillbillies and, and things like that. How dare you? You do not badmouth Beverly Hillbillies around me. Look, Kendra's not here right now, so I can badmouth the Beverly Hillbillies, all right? But <laughs> if I just pressed a button and Kendra showed up? <laughs> <laughs> I've been here the whole time. I heard everything. I don't know if you uh, caught any of the IMDb goofs about this film, but there's no. one that I think is glaring, and I cannot believe that the filmmakers didn't catch it. What was it? Are you ready for it? Mm-hmm. At the very beginning of the movie, the plane that lands is a two-engine DC-9, or possibly an MD-80, an updated version of a DC-9, but the plane at the gate is a three-engine Lockheed L-1011 uh, TriStar. Okay. Can you believe it? <laughs> a three-engine plane, is that the one that has the two on the sides and that giant turbine up top? I have no idea. Okay. <laughs> this is this is just the most insane thing for someone to have noticed in a fucking earnest movie and then felt the need to go to IMDb to complain about. I don't know why, but I picture like a Fred Armisen character or someone insufferable from like early aughts SNL. Like Catan. Yes. A character Armisen or Chris Catan would play. This is no see, this is proper imdb continuity things because this is something that i think we all come to expect from a film like this and also just the the lack of knowledge about the film that the commenter has right after santa claus tells Ernest that he doesn't have any money the clothing that the girl is wearing changes <laughs> <laughs> no character name but they, they know that the girl changed clothes and that continuity is just chef's kiss for an Ernest movie that's that's what we expect from these things they literally make them for no money. Disney makes a fortune, and, like, John mm -hmm. Cherry goes back to his studio apartment, I assume. Oh, wait, no, that's mean. That's mean to say that. He probably could afford a two-bedroom. Yeah, he. I think John Cherry probably did pretty well for himself. I do, too. I'm just being a dick. He's making, like, billion, like, I don't know, like, movies on a shoestring budget of, like, a million to two million dollars. They're raking in, like, 15, 20. He, he's got to be making something off the back end there. Except for Scared Stupid, which was, like, a $10 million budget. Yeah, that was, uh, that was dumb on Disney's part. <laughs> you know, maybe if we give them more money, they'll make more money. Yeah, it's. Uh, I don't think that's the case when you uh, when you have a franchise like this. Why did we pay five million dollars of a ten million budget to Eartha Kit? You're not <laughs> taking my money, Batman. And one million was for this troll head that had two noses. <laughs> with this, with this movie, okay. With with Joe Gardner, his character. When he shaves off his beard and Santa's like, why did you do that? And he's like, you're not the boss of me. I just wanted Santa to punch him in the face and be like, you're a bad man. Well, let's break down that scene a little bit because I think the scene is really strange. What happens is that Santa locates this man's address. Santa doesn't know this man. Uh, he knows that he is the best qualified person to be the next Santa. This guy has met him once and thinks he's mentally ill. He does not believe that he is Santa. Mm -hmm. He just thinks he's um, a, a man who needs help that is pestering him about this. This man then finds his house and lets himself in after knocking a few times. And um, what's his name? Joe is just in the uh, in the other room. He's like, come on shaving. in. <laughs> yeah, come on in. And then when he sees him, his reaction is not one of terror. Like, oh, God, this person found out where I live and they're in my home, which would be my reaction. He's just like, Santa. come on, man, I can't do this. All right, come on, leave. And he just kind of like shuffles him out the door. It was a really, really strange interaction if you just view it from the lens of the real world. Yeah, when he's clean shaven, that's where he looks like Borgnine the most. Like, Yeah, absolutely. Uh, when he has a beard, he doesn't really look like Borgnine, but when he's got that baby face going, it's, it's, it's all Borgnine all the time. No, when he has the beard, he looks like... Have you ever seen SCTV when they uh, had John Candy do Orson Welles? No. <laughs> he, he looks like John Candy doing Orson Welles. Hmm. That's literally what he looks like. Also, yeah. I looked up this guy's IMDb credits, and he doesn't really have anything except for he was on MASH. 
Yeah, that's that was the only thing I saw. And like, it was one of those things where he has multiple of the same page uh, pictures on his IMDb page. And they're all so from when you're scrolling through his pictures. Yeah, you see like two of the same exact image. One is just like slightly higher res than the other. <laughs> When I uh, when we saw Manic Street Preachers a few weeks ago, they uh, they covered that. They covered suicide as painless. Yes, it was fucking great. <laughs> uh, did I tell you? So when I was little, we went to see Cats on Broadway, and the guy who played Old Deuteronomy was not only the original Old Deuteronomy, but he sang "Suicide Is Painless" in. <laughs> in the original mash movie <laughs> oh crazy and that's literally they're like well not only was he the original old deuteronomy but he also sang suicide is painless in mash all right we'll leave now huh, it's weird <laughs> that it said that in the in the playbill but okay <laughs> <laughs> so i have a question for you uh-huh do you think that all of these earnests that we have met do you think they're all in the same timeline no, I think it's like a multiverse situation. Okay. So, yeah, we're just seeing like the slightly different places Ernest ends up. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think that that tracks. Because otherwise, he would have, within a year of the events of this film, had to have moved to or from California so he could be the world's first splash or not at, uh, at uh, what the hell is it? What's that ride? <laughs> Man, uh, what's that ride at Disney? The The water one? Brer Rabbit. Oh, uh, Splash Mountain. Splash Mountain. That's the one. <laughs> yeah, you've seen that, right? Ernest Ride Splash Mountain? No. Oh, it's fantastic. It's on YouTube in its entirety. Uh, Vern is in it. And uh, he destroys Vern's car in it, actually. But, <laughs> yes, he trains to become the world's first Splash Tronaut uh, and is the first person to ride Splash Mountain. Oh, did you notice who played the um, the uh, the old woman? Yeah, she's in a ton of shit. Um, what the hell? What, what, what's, what's her name? Billy Bird. Billy Bird. Yeah, Billy Bird. She's in... Home Alone. Who is she in Home Alone? She's the one in, in the airport where the guy's like, right. she has tons of, of earrings dangly ones. Yep. She yep, gives yep. up her seat and, so that she can get home. I'm trying to see and, my son. And sadly, the thing I remember her from is not that, but Police Academy 4, Citizens on Patrol. Uh, she is one of the titular Citizens on Patrol. Yeah, I just remember her with a... <laughs> doesn't she pull a gun out? Yes. Yes, yeah. she does. <laughs> she was also in um, Dennis uh, the Menace. Who was she in that? Her and that same old guy from Home Alone are once again a married couple... They run the Gardner's Society, and they're honoring uh, George Wilson. Oh, is this one you had to uh, take the picture with the uh, chicklets instead of teeth? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I just remember the trivia for uh, Home Alone when we did that a few years ago. The trivia was Billy Bird and whoever the old guy was aren't married in real life, but they've played a married couple twice. That's interesting <laughs> it's like okay yeah so so did you know katherine hepburn and spencer tracy <laughs> yeah yeah interesting and julia roberts and clooney like actors yeah, they've, act they've done a handful together yeah actors act with actors they're comfortable with like ernest yeah. and uh Vern. did i ever tell you about uh my friends charles and henry uh they they used to live together and when they did they had a thing where they watched Police Academy 3 every day. <laughs> and it got to a point if where... If this like, ends with them, one of them died in seven days. <laughs> it got to a point eventually where their schedules weren't always lining up. So they would kind of like tag in and out. So one of them would watch like the first 45 and then the other would watch the last 45. <laughs> Why? If they stopped watching it, like the world would end? Yeah, it's kind of the premise of uh, The Cabin at the End of the Woods, but yeah. um, via Police Academy 3. <laughs> if these citizens aren't on patrol, the world ends, damn it. Oh, man, Citizens on Patrol is watchable. Police Academy 3 is like the nadir of the series. Wait, which <laughs> one? Like is... the... Wait, I thought Police Academy 3 was Citizens on Patrol. Which, which one is that? Is that 4? 
Citizens on Patrol. Police, police ca- yeah, put, uh, Citizens on Patrol is four. Police Academy three is back in training. Okay. Because I remember they all had, you know, t- subtitles. They had... Yeah. Yeah, so... Yeah, so it was like their first assignment, back at, back to training, Citizens on Patrol. Uh, I think there was like Mission to Moscow I remember there. Mission to Moscow and then there was a... Mi- City under siege. Wasn't there also like the Miami one? Yes, was it like Assignment Miami Beach or something yes, like that? Yeah, because the ones that didn't have um, Gutenberg wasn't in at least two of them, and then what's his name, Matt McCoy, the original dad from Boy Meets World, before they fired yeah. him and replaced him with William Russ. They're like, no, we don't need him. We need we need the guy from Hand That Rocks the Cradle. Yeah. It's 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 odd casting. I think really four is is good. I, I enjoy one, two, and four of, of the lot. But yeah, the uh, the COP program was great because it has um, Billy Bird, mm-hmm. also had uh, David Spade, in his first uh, major motion picture role. And you are, and this <laughs> is regarding. Is he just doing that character? Uh not quite. But uh, it also featured Tony Hawk as his uh, skateboarding double. Oh, seriously? Yeah, yeah. It's a it's a it's a loaded movie. It's pre- it's pretty good. It blows my mind that with David Spade, that they turned an entire TV series into a TV series based on his one sketch on SNL. Mm-hmm. The whole and you are and this is regarding. They're like that would make a great TV series. And we just, did seasons of this. Yeah, they made seven seasons of Just Shoot Me based on one Saturday Night Live sketch. That's awful. Yeah, I think that that probably was, like, it, it was good for his career at the time, but I don't think he ever really did anything of note after that. He was just kind of stuck in the Sandlerverse. No, he had another hit TV show after that, too. He had Rules what? of Engagement. I don't remember that. That was the show he did with Oliver Hudson. And Warburden. It was on for like 10 years. It was on for a very long time. Jesus. Yeah, I, I have never heard of this show. It's like er, uh, it's like Jim Varney being on um, on Roseanne. That blew my mind when, when we found that out. I was like, he was on Roseanne? Yeah, six, six years of Rules of Engagement. Six or seven seasons. Yeah, that's almost 10 years. 100 episodes, so... You know that got syndicated. It did. Yeah. Well, I mean, 100 episodes, it's it's going to be syndicated. He, he has two syndicated has syndicated television shows. That blows my goddamn mind. So basically, he went from that. He's like, all right, I just had two successful sequels. Now I'm going to, or sitcoms, rather. Now I'm going to be in Grown Ups. Cool. Good career How- moves. Let's not forget Dickie Roberts, former child star. Yep, let's not forget. And Jim Jim Varney, like later in his life, besides doing Toy Story and and those direct to stars earnest movies, which towards the end you could tell that like they stopped getting a budget for cameras and they were using like like almost PAL P A L like cameras. They yeah. were using really shitty digital cameras for the Ernest movies. This movie was shot in 35 millimeter. Uh, I mean, yeah, it looks it. And then it it's went a, it's a all the way movie. to like videotape. They were they were filming on like VHS tape. Yeah, so the the last one was 98. Yeah. So they could have been do, doing like mini DV at that point. It, that's what it was. Okay. They were shooting yeah, on I mean, digital, on mini And I, I, I'm not saying that... I'm saying that yes to be realistic about it, but also I'm saying that as a slight because mini DV does look like horse shit. Um, yeah. Unless you, like, really work with upscaling it and what have you, but... Unless you're Steven Soderbergh. Yes. <laughs> because Traffic was shot on mini DV, and Traffic still looks not terrible. Yeah, and Dancer in the Dark was mini DV, correct? Yes. Parts of it were. Yeah, it just it it looks like home movie, but yeah, I'm I'm curious to see you later, Ernest. I think I might bite the bullet at some point and watch like Ernest in the Army or, or whatever. 
<laughs> what if it was just... Ernest in the army now and it's him and Polly Shore? Hey, Ernest, it's me, the weasel. So I have seen in the army now. I don't remember anything about it. I just I remember Brendan seen... Fraser being in it. Yeah, he, he reprises the role as Link. I I think that movie and Ernest in the Army could be spliced together and have a seamless plot. I hear I'm saying a challenge that, no, nothing for you. About one of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I want to talk about Santa and also Santa getting laid because that that definitely happens at the end of this movie. Uh, yeah, Santa definitely gets laid. Yeah, him and Billy Bird is like, would you like to go to one of these newfangled malt shops? I hear that you can get a phosphate and an egg cream. <laughs> phosphate. <laughs> Do you yeah. want a sarsaparilla? <laughs> yeah, my only note for that is just Santa is getting laid. I found a good thing, though, on the IMDb goofs for this. Uh, and this one is under spoilers. So if you haven't seen Ernest Scared... Uh, I keep saying Ernest, Ernest Scared, Scared Stupid because it's the only one that I ever... It's the only one I ever watch. Uh, if you haven't seen Ernest Saves Christmas yet, pause this and go give it a watch. Uh, otherwise, we will be spoiling the end even further than we already have. Welcome so here back. is the goof item below. <laughs> yeah, welcome back. Santa appears to be single, and it is strongly implied after he returns to civilian life that he will start a relationship with Mary. However, the shipping invoice for the reindeer says that they were sent by Mrs. Santa Claus. Now, here's where it gets good. Although it is possible, somewhat darkly, for the overall tone of the movie, she's a previous Santa's widow who stayed in the North Pole after something happened to him. (laughs) But he said he was like 150 years old. So yeah. that means she's older than that? Yeah, she would probably be. I mean, if if 150 is around the retiring age for a Santa, she'd probably be anywhere up to 300. Well, okay. I was thinking about this. What if this is connected to the Tim Allen Santa Claus verse and Joe Gardner was the one who who I'm saying his name right. His name is Joe Gardner, right? Yeah, I believe so. Because that was also the name of Jamie Foxx's character in Soul. Oh, it's Joe Carruthers. Joe Carruthers. All right. So yeah. you're positing that he was the Santa that was killed by Tim Allen. Yes, I am positing that, that this is a so, shared universe. That he goes to upstate New York or wherever that film takes place. Mm-hmm. And he's on the roof. And And Scott Calvin kills him. Scott Calvin kills him. (laughs) So here's the problem with that. I am guessing because you don't enjoy being uh, visually waterboarded that you did not watch the Santa Claus's television show. No. Okay. I recommend that you do not watch the Santa Claus's television show. (laughs) I watched it because Danielle did an episode of World of Commotion. They did a special episode on the Santa Clauses. And canonically in that universe the santa that was killed by tim allen is played by jerry gergage from parks and rec what it gets better he did he wasn't murdered he killed himself what at one point tim allen goes to this sort of jared described it best as like a valhalla of former santas (laughs) and he met various uh, Santas, one of whom, according to Matt, looked like an extra from Big Trouble in Little China. Okay. And he talked to the Santa that was before him, who was played by that actor. I forget his name. The one that plays uh, Jerry from Parks and Rec. Yeah. And he talks to him and he was just basically like, oh, I was kind of done with the job. So, yeah, no, I, <laughs> I found a way out. <laughs> so he he traumatized a child and traumatized Scott Calvin because the whole... Pr- so I was deciding whether or not I was going to watch the Santa Clauses. So I watched the original Santa Claus. I wasn't going to watch mm-hmm. one or two, uh, two or three. 
but I watched the original one, and that movie is dark. That movie is all about divorce. It's an allegory for custody of a child. Yep. And and it's upsetting. But like Scott Calvin is traumatized that he's gonna fall off a roof, you know, or someone's gonna push him off a roof and become Santa. And now you're telling me that that wasn't the case. He just made a meal of it, and he was killing himself. That appears to be the size of it, yes. And also, (laughs) so I was watching it with Haley, and we were getting so done with watching it that we turned on Krampus instead, which was the much better choice, in my opinion. Um, Oh, yeah. But I'm like, Santa just wove wove goodbye when he was dying. And I'm like, he's still alive. And Haley goes, Scott, don't you know what a death rattle is? <laughs> I'm like, I'm pretty sure he should be shitting his pants right now. <laughs> so, yeah, don't uh, don't watch uh, the, the Santa Clauses. It, if If you need further reason not to. The showrunner of it is the same showrunner of Last Man Standing. <laughs> yeah, so um, picture aging right-wing person humor. Mm. And it's basically what you've got. It's Most of it's not funny. It's, um, it's a lot of it's in poor taste. Um, it, it's kind of mean. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't really seem to know what it's doing with itself. Well, and Tim Allen, Tim Allen, despite the fact that he's got a starring vehicle at this point in his career to to be in, seems like he just doesn't want to fucking be there. Well, he just had his other starring vehicle ended like a year ago. Yeah, but he had like a year off, and now he's gets to do like a six episode thing and and be a in season spotlight. two and a season two. Yeah. So what I say to that is, oh no. <laughs> We used to do that at the Daily Show. Like, we would always do, when someone would ask us a question, we would go, <laughs> and we did it in because of Home Improvement. Because yeah. one thing, so uh, at TV shows, they you get a bunch of free shit sent to you, like box sets and DVDs and stuff. And a box set of Home Improvement, the complete series, was sent. And... <laughs> And everyone's like, I don't want this. Do the interns want it? And we're like, we don't want it. So we kept it on the desk of the interns, still in the wrapping, in the (laughs) Benford tools box. And then anytime someone would would call another intern, like uh, my buddy Ryan Beck, who's been on this podcast, I'd be like, hey, Ryan. And he'd go, So, yeah, going back to what I was positing is it's a shared universe with the Santa Claus and Joe Carruthers is is dead. I mean, did they say his name was not Joe Carruthers? It could have been Joe Carruthers. I don't think they I don't think they specified what his name was. I mean, because the actor who played Joe Carruthers is dead. I believe. Yeah, he if I remember correctly, he uh, fell off of a roof, right? Yes. And as he was going, he went, oh, no. (laughs) Jim O'Hare, that's the actor's name. Right. But the real guy who played Joe Carruthers, I believe he passed away a few years ago. Yeah, no, I'm just quickly double checking his uh, credits here. Uh, No, he is known as Santa 17. So it could have been Joe Carruthers. Could have been. Well, I was a children's television host in Orlando, and this was just as hellish as that. So, because we never got to see the actual TV show. No, we saw him at a library like, entertaining. Yeah, at a library, just entertaining a group of children. Yeah. Although to hear Ernest tell it, it was a very good show and one that he watched regularly. So it was a bad TV show. Well, Ernest is a simple man, and I think he is probably entertained by simple things. So, I mean, a kid show might be right up his alley. Doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad show. Hey, Vern, it was one of my favorite TV shows. Now let's go watch a uh, 
Tyler Perry Film Festival, followed by all the Fast and the Furious movies. <laughs> now, here's another question for you. So at the very end, uh, the first thing that Joe does as the new Santa was uh, basically answer the wish of the gentleman who sat next to the old Santa on the plane ride to Orlando and make it snow in Orlando. Yeah. Now, my question to you is what would happen meteorologically if Orlando started snowing on a dime? So it's funny you mentioned that because... (laughs) Right before COVID, Haley and I went to Orlando, and it was freezing. It it got down to, like, 50 degrees. So 50 degrees in Florida is, mm-hmm. like, 30 degrees to 20 degrees here. It was yeah. fucking freezing to the point where the hotel we were in had to turn on the heating system that they never have to turn on, and it caused all of the alarms to go off. <laughs> so I'm going to go with, from that experience alone, pure chaos. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't even talking about what would happen on ground level, because obviously Florida is a crazy-ass place uh, once you get outside of the bubble of the theme parks. And the locals would have no idea how to deal with snow. Like, there's definitely no infrastructure. Like, there's no plowing system or anything like that in place. But no. I'm just wondering if that would create some sort of intense storm if we went from like florida 70 degrees to uh florida 25 degrees uh in the snap of santa's fingers i uh i just picture al gore's like huh something's happening here in 1988 my (laughs) wife is trying to get you know music taken away from people and it's snowing here in florida i'm gonna call it Global the internet. <laughs> I I think I think basically something would be terribly wrong. Everyone would be freaking out thinking it's the apocalypse and people would start looting. Oh, there would be chaos. Like there there's there would be no stopping the chaos. I, I think that it would probably be um it would be like the maniacs now who are like attacking like power grids. I think that like, that would be that level of fucking insanity down there. So I, I want to go back to Ernest watching Joe's TV show. Do you <laughs> think this is like a the cable guy situation and his mom called it the babysitter and left him alone with it and then never returned? And that's Vern just found him in the house. <laughs> now, here's a question for you, though. How old do you think Joe is? Do you think Joe's older than Ernest? Not really. I think he, he maybe by 10 years. Okay. Because, yeah, I'm just wondering if the show has been around since he was a child and maybe that's why he likes it so much. But I find it hard to believe with Joe's uh, agent that his career would not have progressed at all in that time. I I don't know. I would have loved for this movie to end with... <laughs> With Joe's agent being like, that's it, I'm getting on a plane, and he's sitting next to Bruce Willis. (laughs) Okay, when did this movie come out? Did this movie come out at Christmas time, or is this like when we talked about while you were sleeping, it coming out in April? It was a little bit before. It was uh, November, uh, early November at that well, that may, that so, tracks. That tracks because they uh, had big plans for this um, being being a success. Home Alone was a huge success. That opened November twelfth, nineteen ninety, and it was the number one movie for I believe twelve to sixteen weeks. So this opening in November is not a suspension of disbelief. No, it's not. I I do think that they had high expectations for this and assumed that it would sell tickets in November and then, due to the Christmas bump, it would also sell tickets in December. Question is, did it? I don't think it did. Uh, I don't know how long it was in the theaters for, but it its domestic gross was like twenty eight million. Like it it did pretty well off of its budget, which was six point five million. <laughs> Two dollars and which, a hammer. <laughs> 
Yeah, 6.5 million. Uh, I, I got to be honest with you. I don't really see it on the screen so much, but it still turned a quite a hefty profit. Yeah, so if this... I'm thinking about what you said about where they filmed on the MGM lot. If where you're saying they filmed is correct, because you said where the roller coaster is. It's yeah, it's like Toy Story Land and um, that Galaxy's used, Edge. Yeah, that used to be where the Ninja Turtles were, and where um, the the what you call it the the Honey I Shrunk the Kids playground. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, maybe it wasn't there. Uh, it was where the great movie, uh, not the great movie ride, the uh, the backlot tour was because it was the backlot. Uh huh. Yeah. I, I took that tour once just so I could see the Nightmare Before Christmas models. That was oh, like, that's cool. I didn't realize it was there. It was. Um, and they also had all of the weasels from uh, Roger Rabbit because they were going to turn where Galaxy's Edge is into mm-hmm. Roger Rabbit Toontown. World. Yeah. Yeah. Which... Didn't this movie come out the same year as Roger Rabbit? This was 88, right? Yeah, I think that was the same year. So Touchstone had two big family-oriented hits with Roger Rabbit and this. Yeah, Roger Rabbit was summer. And that was another movie that played in theaters for like seven months. Yeah, that was a very successful movie. That one uh, pulled in 350 over 350, actually. Crazy. Yeah, so th- that had to just be in the theaters forever. Yeah, because I believe it was from summer of 88 to January of 89 is when it finally got pulled. So it would make me laugh if if that movie was number one for so long that it beat... Oh, wait, no, it wouldn't have because Big came out the same year. And I believe Big was one of the movies that beat Ernest for number one. Yeah, I'm looking at it. Yeah, those those were the two children's movies they had that year. And yeah, both both were definitely hits. I would not call Big a children's movie. No, no, no. I, I meant um, Ernest Saves Christmas and uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Oh, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's interesting because um, they did goes to jail in '90, and I guess you could probably call Dick Tracy uh, a movie like a family movie. Not really. I mean, I mean, Dick- it, it had a it had a toy line, so it was aimed at kids to some extent. It also had nudity in. It. <laughs> did it? We talked about it on uh, when we did the Dick Tracy episode. I mean, I've never. S- I've never seen Dick Tracy in its entirety. That's one that okay. I caught a lot in bits and pieces when it was on TV, like a local affiliate in the afternoon on like a Saturday. I'll say now because of a high def transfer and they didn't anticipate, you know, digital being a thing. But when yeah. they cleaned up the lighting, there is one scene where Madonna is wearing a completely see-through dress. Mm-hmm. That's all I'll say. Interesting. Well, yeah, no, I mean, it had it had toys, <laughs> so it was it was aimed at kids to some extent. I, oh, I remember there being a huge controversy with the toys too, because it revealed that Breathless Mahoney was the villain of the film. That I do remember. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she was uh, the blank. Was it? Yep. Was there a toy line for this? For Ernest Saves Christmas. Yeah, I know there was the no. Ernest doll. Was yeah, that? no, there was general earnest merchandise, but there there wasn't anything aimed at any of the movies. Oh, okay. I I still like this movie a lot. I, I love the fact that Ernest, we get to see his childlike whimsy. But one thing that we should talk about because it drove us crazy in Scared Stupid is him doing the John Wayne little lady. He did do that in this, yes. We are, he did we it can safely too establish that much. I wonder if that was just something he liked doing. And, like, he told John Cherry, like, uh, you know what I really like doing is uh, uh, imitating 
imitating the Duke. <laughs> and John Cherry's just like, oh, okay, I'll, I'll put it in. All right, he wants to be Christopher Plummer times. from Rock, uh, Rockadoodle. Ugh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I still don't understand in this movie how he doesn't know how to fly a, a like, Santa's sleigh. Like, he's going left and right and left and right. Mm-hmm. And then he should be dead because he's out of Earth's atmosphere at one point. Uh, yeah, no, he, he left the atmosphere for a fairly extended period of time. You actually see him. Um, I think they show the scene like three times where he is circling the globe uh, at a very unsafe height. <laughs> Superman style. Yes. What if when they're crashing down, all of the reindeer just like split off and they just explode on the ground it's like i wonder where Ernest is and you just see like comet and cupid just bam <laughs> oh no yeah i i one thing i gotta say too is uh in regards to the elves the makeup that they did for them was gross it was they were disgusting to look at and i feel bad for the actors because it's not on them uh it is entirely on the makeup department and yeah they were just revolting no but for for Christmas movies, I'll watch this every couple of years. I I like oh. it. And by okay, couple I mean, of years, like every ten years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I watch Scared Stupid probably once a year, once every other year, uh, and that's that kind of gets the earnest out of my system. I don't see myself necessarily returning to this anytime soon. Um, definitely not before Christmas, uh, for sure. But um, I don't see myself returning to it like next year or the year after, maybe maybe down the road. But it's it's not my favorite Ernest movie. And I think the reason for that is, as you were discussing at the beginning, it wasn't intended to be an Ernest movie. And uh, Ernest was shoehorned into like a, a nice, wholesome Christmas tale. And I think if it would, was Ernest from the ground up, it probably would have sat better with me. But uh, it's 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 just kind of a, a early draft of the Santa Claus with Ernest. Yeah, and also him in the prison, having them do, uh, sing uh, the 12 Days of Christmas. When Santa was arrested for uh, no reason. Yeah. <laughs> yes. That that was way too much like, um, even though Elf was many years later, Elf did it better. It is interesting that other Christmas films have borrowed elements of this. Probably not knowing. <laughs> well, I don't know, because this was enough of a hit where uh, it was followed by two sequels. So uh, yeah. I'm sure people saw this movie. Maybe. Who knows? But uh, yeah, also... Favreau, Favreau wrote Elf, right? Yeah. Favreau's seen this movie. I guarantee you John Favreau has seen this movie. I Okay. Uh, I will say that I liked Ernest changing into costumes better in this than I did in Scared Stupid. Oh, that is one thing that I did not make a note of, but I did want to address. So this lends credence to the idea that he takes time to change into his costumes. Because every time you see him do one of his costumes, uh, there is there are establishing shots. Mm-hmm. He doesn't just change. like It doesn't change camera angles. Now Ernest is like a, a, an army commander or whatever. You see him like approaching a business dressed up as like an elderly woman at one point. Like there's an establishing shot showing him walking in the door slowly. Yeah, and then like as he's leaving, he's taking off the neck brace and taking off the wig. Mm-hmm. So, how many bagels? I'm gonna go seven. Like I said, it's uh, it's it's not a terrible movie. It uh, and that's. Not even within the using the earnest lens. I, I don't think that this is a terrible movie. I think it's like a perfectly fine Christmas movie. It's one that um you could probably watch with kids today without too many questionable elements in it or anything like that. It it mostly aged okay. Uh, but yeah, it's just if if I'm going for an earnest movie, especially a holiday themed earnest movie, Scared Stupid is always always going to be my pick because I know that that one delivers on all fronts. Whereas this one I think is lacking in some. Yeah, and uh, like I said, if, if if it was a ground up, earnest affair, um, I, I might feel differently about it. But yeah, it's it's middle of the road. Um, I'm, I'm I, I don't hate it. I like it. I I'm also gonna go with seven. 
Okay. The more I talk about it, I said this was my favorite Ernest movie, but then as I think about it, I'm like, eh, maybe Ernest goes to jail or Ernest goes to camp. I really wish Ernest goes to camp had a twist ending and it turned out to be in the same Friday the 13th world. <laughs> and he's at <laughs> Camp Crystal Lake. He's working under Pamela Voorhees. Oh, uh, Pamela, I forgot to watch Jason. Uh, I think he drowned. <laughs> uh, but it wasn't me. It was uh, those, those counselors who were smoking pot. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I'm going with seven. Um, it's fine. It's It could be a lot better. I will say, as I think I was so nostalgic because this had that, like, 80s, you know, schlock to it. I re- I think the reason why I loved this so much growing up as a kid is first it was on Disney Channel, then it was on the Wonderful World of Disney, and there were always, like, great car- uh, toy commercials and, like, snack commercials in between. So I, I think it's just that feel of watching TV in the 80s and 90s. Like, watching it now as a 30-something, I'm like, oh, okay. So, yeah. you want to promote anything? Uh, yeah, I don't really I don't really have anything going on. Uh, Danielle and I are, keep threatening to release our podcast, but we also keep forgetting to record an intro episode. Uh, so that, that will be coming soon, uh, the King Kamehameha Club. Uh, it is going to be an episode-by-episode episode breakdown of Magnum P.I. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's coming soon. I don't have an exact date for it. Whenever we can get together... Um, which is surprisingly difficult considering we live in the same house, uh, to do that promo, uh, we will get that going. Yeah, Chris and I also have a mini-series that we record every year for Halloween, and we're going to probably go back into the booth soon and get the newest season started. That is yeah, called When Scary that, Met that, Savvy. <laughs> Yeah, and it's not going to air till October, but uh, we're we're going to get cracking on this season sooner than later. Yep. We already have it planned out, so if you like When Scary Met Stabby, you will love what we have in store for you. Um, I also have another podcast called Hell is a Musical on the Zero Science Network. We just recorded our Jingle Jangle episode, and that's going to come out at the end of the year to coincide with, you know, the holiday season with the new year coming. And... Uh, Remember, if you like this podcast, give us five stars. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and you can email us, writersbagelbasket at gmail.com. Chris, thanks for doing this, bud. Oh, thanks for having me. Till next time, I'm Scott Curlin. Bye. <laughs>